0: Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Go. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. Can you give God a great round of applause for saving Matt Norton, my friend Matt. I love Matt. All right. Humble Beast Part 3, How to Influence. We've been going through the life and times of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Here's my opening thought. If you tend to think you bring more to your company than it brings to you, it might be time to make a shift. You know what's coming next? If you think that you bring more to your family than your family brings to you, it might be time to make a shift. If you think that you bring more to your marriage than it brings to you, it might be time to make a shift. If you think you bring more to your youth group than it brings to you, you might need, you definitely need to make a shift. <laughs> if you think you bring more to your church than God through the church brings to you, it's time to make a shift. You don't understand how influence works. You may have missed the entire point of it. My, uh, my third girl, uh, Katie, now since uh, we're, we have some changes coming up. Uh, in the fall, actually in two weeks. So we have one more evening service and then we're doing morning services at 1030. Get out of bed and get to church. It's going to be awesome. Thank you. And thank you for everybody having to adjust your schedule to do that. We love you. We love you for doing that. Um, with part of the changes coming, now what's happening is we've shifted the age in the auditorium just by one year. So, so my daughter Katie, who's 11, can be in the auditorium now. And she's been on me for, you know, two years, like, Dad, I want to you know, I love, I love venue kids, like, don't get me wrong, I love venue kids, and she's one of, like, the kids' leaders, but she's like, Dad, I want to be in the auditorium, and so, so last week, uh, I saw her, she was checking out the production booth, because if she's 11, she can be on a, a team, wow. and so, she was checking out the production booth, and I could tell, because all I could see was a top inch of her head, and I'm like, we're gonna have to get her a, a stool, she's gonna... She's gonna join the production team. That's gonna gonna be awesome. <laughs> I just love that. I love getting my kids involved on the Dream Team. It's just amazing. You know, Katie's at this age now where she she really wants to babysit. Do we have any any parents of kids who who have gone through like the Hey, Dad, I want to babysit. Hey, Mama, I want to babysit. You got to take these you know courses sometimes, or I don't know what they do. And so, but but there's. As Katie wants to do this, it's interesting. I feel like her motive in wanting to babysit or, or take care of other people's kids is probably better than my, my motivation for wanting to babysit my brother when I was a kid. I'm like, Mom and Dad, give me the influence that I need. I need the position of, of babysitter. Like, you go off, you go off to the store, it's fine. I'll take care of Ryan Because he's been slacking off. Mom and Dad. Ryan, Mom and Dad are gone. I'm Dad now. Right here, old son. Right here. And so help me, if you lit me off, wham. <laughs> to which I would normally receive some form of discipline when Dad came up. It's interesting, though, when I think about why Katie wants the influence... How is she thinking about that versus how I was thinking about that at the time? Do you want influence in your life? Like, like Do you want influence? Do you want that promotion so that finally everybody gets to do what you tell them to do? You might need to hit the reset there and actually understand what influence and the influence in your life is supposed to be used for. Most people, if you come at it with a humble heart, when people, some people are promoted, you come at it with a humble heart and you're instantly like afraid of like, I hope I don't screw this up because a lot of people are depending on me. Right. So a proud person is like, finally, I get the recognition I deserve and people get to do what I say. And yet a humble person would be much more in tune with the responsibility of it all. And isn't that interesting, the thing about influence? Now today we're going to do a character study about Moses, who if, if, if in our family, like I would be kind of compared to Moses, and Ryan would be compared to Aaron, his brother. <laughs> we're going to be going through Aaron and the whole go- golden calf uh, incident that happened in Israel. And what do you do when the boss leaves town for a few days? Um, But not now. I'm not going to preach that yet. Why do you want influence? Look, if you go to Freedom Session, uh, in in two weeks' time, when we do our big kickoff, Pastor Ken Dick from from Village Church in Surrey, massive church. Village Church in Surrey is coming here to to preach. We're going to do our small groups kickoff, so I want you to be here. You're going to have opportunities just to check out, hey, like, what's your small group all about? There will be food, because that's how you get people in small groups. It's going to be awesome, but, but listen, if you're going to do freedom session, because that's really going to be his focus, plus small groups and stuff, but if you want to do freedom sessions and you want to get healthy, you want to become influential, you want to get free, who would that be for? Right. Yeah. Good question. That's a good question. Just because you deserve to be happy? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Um, we know that our past sins mean that we don't deserve to be happy. And maybe that's not the point at all. But if God would actually heal you of all the baggage of your past, and you go through freedom session, And we have like 40-some people interested in freedom session right now. Woo! How are you going to do that, Pastor great? I don't know. Um, that's why I have a handlers. But listen, if God would free you and God would give you that promotion, what, who would it be for? For you? For you or for somebody else? Now, you might be thinking to yourself, Oscar, like I don't even influence anybody, but look, even, even a child who can babysit another child has influence. And somebody somewhere is looking to you at the crucial moment in their life to point them in the right direction. You do, like, you wear off on people. So your decisions and your demeanor and your words and your thoughts, they, they, they wear off. Your attitudes wear off on people. And you, at a crucial time in somebody's life, can be that person that turns them back or over a long period of time. It's just your influence in their life now, think about that. Think who you would actually have influence in the life of. A group of friends? I mean, if you're a, a mom, you definitely have influence in those children. Right. But somewhere, somebody somewhere is looking at you and watching you, and you actually have influence in that. But who is that influence for? Right. Maybe we just need to back the bus up, because maybe what you're, you're feeling is like, I wish that somebody would give me a position so that I could have more influence. When influence has nothing to do with position, oh, yeah. Yeah, you can influence up. You're not the boss of something. You can influence up if you want to. That's good. If you want to learn a different set of skills. But who's it for? That's what we've got to talk about today. Two types of influencers. The proud who use their influence for themselves and the humble who use their influence for others. Somebody somewhere needs a word of encouragement from you tomorrow. Maybe tonight. Maybe instead of fighting with your family on the way home tonight, you could encourage them. I feel like somebody hit the mute button on the crowd. <laughs> or you can fight, I guess, if you want to. Why break a habit? <laughs> Maybe I haven't figured this out, but whenever God is up to something, the devil can see it, and it's obvious, and he hates it, and he hates you, and he just wants to wreck that whole thing. So if he can steal the, the word of God that's been planted in you, you know, an hour after the service, oh, he doesn't care. You can hear all the, all the messages you want. But listen, you have to start building your spiritual muscle so that you actually start getting better at it. Because if you build your muscle and you're playing football, you're going to get tackled. Protect your quarterback. Protect your team. That's that's how it works. And so you have to start beefing up in your mind when God is speaking to you about something. He's preparing you for the week that's coming. He's giving you weapons to fight what's already going to happen. By His Holy Spirit. Now, you might need to make a shift in how you think about influence and how you think about leadership. You might need to make a shift if you tend to think you know more than all the people around you. You might need to make a a shift if people have to obey you because you're in charge. You might need to make a shift if you tend to stay away from threats or threatening people, i.e. talented people (laughs) who are doing well. You might need to make a shift if you're afraid of the people under you and afraid of the people over you. Remember now, our working definition of humility in this series is simply knowing your place in it all. If you took that struggle out of your life and you don't have to fight to know your place in it all, in your family and in your friendship group and at work, if you took that struggle out of your life, I'll bet you that you'd be dealing with about 10% of the actual issues that you're dealing with right now. You might need to make a shift if you tend to take things too personally. You took drama class in high school, and you're still taking it? That's good. Mm. Why is everything such a big deal with that person? Oh, they're, they're in um, drama class still. They're waiting for the cameras to catch them. Freaking out about everything. You might need to make a shift if you tend to hide mistakes. That's one of the reasons why our motto is Real Boats Rock. It comes from a, a book that's, that I, I love that, that says, um, show me a completely smooth operation and I'll show you someone who's covering mistakes. <laughs> Look, when you cover mistakes, there's nothing that God can do in your life and there's really nothing that can be done for you in your life. Be honest. Let's be honest, get things out in the open. But the whole idea is like, if you tend to cover your mistakes, you might need to shift how you think about your influence that you have or how much you actually have no matter your position. Look, you might need to make a shift if you took your current position for what it could do for you. You might need to make a shift if you rarely ask how others are doing, but my goodness, they better ask how your day is going. You might need to make a shift if your first question is, does this decision work best for me? Who's your influence for? Is it for you? Does this decision at work work best for me? Does this decision to move the time to 10.30 work best for me? Does working a shift in some of our teams does it work best for me? Well, maybe you have a misread on how influence works. Maybe tonight is going to be an amazing night for you, I think. You might need to make a shift if you have difficulty celebrating others' wins. How are you when somebody next to you gets a promotion? You're like, "Yeah, I love that. That's so amazing." Until you didn't get one. We live in this fair society. Everybody wins That actually doesn't happen anywhere in the world (laughs) That's not a thing Everybody wins Everybody wins the race What's the point of the race? Everybody got the highest mark How? Oh it's simple You just take all the testing away (laughs) Everybody graduates Really? I gotta work with some of these people Everybody, oh. you want the doctor operating on you? Who kind of, sort of passed? I think I'm pretty. You know, I feel pretty confident about this operation right now. You know, yeah. I had like 40 on that test, but hey, man, we all got through. Look, somebody somewhere is looking to you to influence them, and you don't know what that looks like. You don't know how much pull you have in somebody's life until later. So you got to be the person you need to be that God wants you to be, the best version of yourself. Because a year later, you'll find out what you did in that person's life. So, so when we came to uh, to Airdrie here, we were in a hard time in our family and in our marriage, and uh, and we, you know, God told us to like move a church and take a, a launch team and like we sold a church building. Try it sometime. You think that hockey has politics, y'all? <laughs> Actually, <laughs> it was my dad's church, and we didn't have loads of politics, which I love. I hate drama, I hate drama, I hate drama class. It's interesting, though, that in this time, it was a very hard time for my wife, Erin, and she had a friend that used to be her best friend at the time, and we used to actually vacation with this family. I won't say their names, and you wouldn't know them, but the the we used to vacation with them, and, and and we had rolled out what we felt God wanted us to, to do as a family and as a church and as a core team. We had rolled that out to the core team and then it was kind of starting to go out in the place where we were at to some of the others. And so they were ones of the last ones because they kind of attended church but weren't really involved. And so they kind of heard about it last. If you want to know what's going on in venue, join the dream team and then you actually get everything ahead of time so that when it happens you don't like freak out. Well, come to church a little more, you know. Just saying. Show up at staff meeting. Hey, my company's making all these changes. Where were you? Hey. I'm getting all sidetracked. You can't sidetrack me. <laughs> so, so here's what was happening. Here's what, you ready for this? This is what living with me is like. Five days before, before we go on vacation. Five days before we go on vacation, I'm like, Aaron, I really feel like, I've been praying, I really feel like we need to put our house on the market before we go. <laughs> We've been living there since we got married. Raised our kids there. Five days. So she worked hard and this is a time it was high conflict in our family and our marriage at the time it was just spiritually a really really dark time that we were working through and yet God wanted us to take a launch team and plant an energy. and thank God thank God that we did and thank God that you came 59 souls are thanking God that you came And so and so um so I did my, my sales pitch like here's what God wants us to do and, and, and we took uh, Aaron's friend out to kind of a local restaurant where we were and we took her out and, and as I was giving the vision that God had given the house now when we came with our core team it was a different spirit of people we basically walked into the back of this theater and I said hey we're coming here to do church mic drop and everybody starts clapping okay that's the spirit of the people that I love to work with <laughs> Like, yeah, okay, let's do this. Awesome. Most of that court team moved to Airdrie, uprooted their families, paid a lot more for their homes living here. Can I hear an amen? Gibsons and everybody else who moved here. Hopes. Relocated for work. I mean, my team, my people. And so, um, but this used to be Aaron's person. And right at this time in Aaron's life when she needed encouragement and she needed somebody to be like, well, if God wants you to do that, then let's go out and do that. Yeah. Then let's, then I'm going to help you and don't you quit. Right at that time, we spent an hour with her and the only thing that entered her mind and the only thing that came out of her mouth was, you're leaving me. And first of all, if I could be honest, it would have worked out better for her family than it would have worked out for everybody who came with us. I could tell you why, but I'm not going to tell you why. It would have worked out better for them, actually. And we walked away from there and I remember thinking to myself, God saved me from having that kind of influence in a person's life to discourage them at the wrong time when it's time for them to take the bull by the horns and go out and get something for their family, go out and get something for their people, and go out and plant a church, and go out and do this thing. God saved me from being that friend who's just a discouragement at the wrong time because all I can think about is me and how this affects me. I walked away from there and I'm like, Aaron, I love you, but man, you need better friends. You need people who influence you with courage, who inject you with adrenaline. Let's go get this thing. Let's go do this thing. I don't care how hard it is. We're with you. You're not going to go down. We'll make it. We'll do this thing. But humble influences to help others, but proud influences to help us. And sometimes in a crisis, you'll find that that person that you've been relying on, we're only in it for what it could do, what you could do for them. But that's not the kind of influence that you need in your life, and that is not what I want you to be to the people around you. Imagine when people come to you and you inject them with energy and faith and are like, hey, we can do this thing. Let's stay on track. Like, hey, you're slipping off track because life is hard right now. But get back on track. I'll help you. I'll I'll pray with you. I'll get up early in the morning. I'll call you. I'll see how you're doing. I'll text you every day. See how you're doing. How's your faith level? Is Good. You good? We can do this. Okay, awesome. That's all that somebody needs from you. Exodus 32. There are two types of leaders. There are proud leaders and there are humble leaders there are proud influencers and there are humble influencers and we're going to do a character study now of Moses and his older brother Aaron when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain they were at Mount Sinai they gathered around Aaron so so two months they had been out of Egypt all of Pharaoh's chariots and horses I think there's a Sunday school song I could sing for you if I could remember it I can't think of it actually is not that interesting I'll just make one up. All those king's horses and all the king's man Couldn't put uh, Pharaoh's army back together. And <laughs> I feel like Nacho Libre is singing that song like, I'm at the party. Ramsey's number one. He sets the people. This is getting better and better. <laughs> so two months after, they arrive at Mount Sinai. Moses goes up Sinai for 40 days. And God is speaking to Moses, well, what happens when the boss is away, what happens when, when dad is away is that the people gather around mom. <laughs> I liked it when dad went away because I could talk mom into just about anything. I love you, mom, but. I, one time I'm like, I, I had her sold on this idea. And um, then she, she pulls out the joker and she says to me, she says, well, why don't you ask your dad? And I'm like, ah. She goes, what? I'm, like, I'm not going to ask him. Why? Well, He's never going to say yes to that. <laughs> she goes, well, it sounded pretty good. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's what I'm good at. Not dead, man. Didn't get that far. So the people gather around Aaron. Because Aaron was a different type of influencer than Moses. Come on, they said. Make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses. Well, listen to how they're talking about him. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. First of all, yikes. He's a leader of several million people. And like when he raised, when he prayed to God and raised his staff over the sea, it came in and killed all the Egyptian army. So yikes. There's a lot I could say about that. But this is interesting here that how you handle delays might be the best measure of your spiritual maturity. And a delay from God doesn't mean no. But how you handle a delay. Moses has gone for 40 days. Now the people are just like, they got nothing but time. They should have been worshiping God. They should have been instituting discipline and in their purpose in their lives, but they weren't. They were bored. And so how you handle delays. You know, like girls, you're praying like, God, send me this amazing man. First of all, God's like, well, you're not amazing. I got to get you that way first. <laughs> just saying like, you can meet an amazing man, but he's going to be like, yikes. And then... <laughs> But then what happens if, if that man doesn't show himself in the next 10 minutes and fall at your feet? You're like, fine, I'll date the first loser that comes along. Teach you a lesson, God. Yeah. Musical chairs. God's like, okay, just climb up. Get on the chair, I guess, if that's what you want. Um, but the boss goes on vacation. What do you like when the boss goes on vacation? What is your influence like? Is it about you? Or do you work harder when the boss goes on vacation? So Aaron said, take the gold rings, listen to this, from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. And all the people took the gold rings from the, their ears and brought them to Aaron. Now it's ironic that on the mountain, God is telling Moses what to do with the free will offerings of gold during this 40 day period. And now they're using the gold for themselves. So they plundered Egypt when they came out of Egypt and, and, and Moses said, ask Ask for riches from the people of Egypt as you go, and they were so afraid. They're like, "Here, take you know, take take mom's necklaces and the jewels and the gold." And like Egypt, they plundered Egypt when they went out. Ironically, they couldn't do anything with it in the wilderness, except give it to God. What are you going to buy in the wilderness? New pair of sandals? Yeah, awesome. Except the Bible says that their sandals didn't wear out on their feet. What do you buy? (laughs) Insoles for your sandals. You need to read Bible commentaries more. (laughs) Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. Listen to this. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, Oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. How is a god that you just made today? How did he save you yesterday? Man, you want to worship... Idols in your life. That's about how dumb it makes you. That's how dumb it makes me. It's just craziness. You know, any influencer can make something shiny that the people will like? They'll make you a good leader. God was speaking to Moses on the mountain right now, Exodus 20, a few chapters before. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or, in, or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them and worship them. This is what God is speaking to Moses while Aaron is supposed to be upholding the authority of Moses. And he makes a calf. And it says this, Aaron saw how excited the people were. Aaron saw how, listen to what drives Aaron's leadership. He saw how excited that they all liked him. They think this is a great idea. Moms, if all of your kids think that going to bed at a decent time, do they think that's a great idea? But it's still a great idea. Starting to feel me? They all feel like eating cake at 11 o'clock at night would be a great idea. That doesn't make you a good mom. So he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. What? What's going on here? To the Lord? We just made this, well, see, this is how it, it was. It, he wasn't really saying like, hey, let's replace Yahweh with this calf. He's not saying that. He's saying, Let, let's, okay, let's worship Yahweh, but let's worship him, you know, with. You ever get an addendum on a set of blueprints? It's like, hey, oh, but don't forget, but let's just add this to that. And that's where we get in trouble in Canada is we're not really replacing God. We're just adding a whole bunch of stuff to God, which is actually replacing God. We just add a little bit, too. We just add, you know, like, okay, God said this, but then I'm just going to add it and view my thoughts to it. And God's like, I don't care about what your thoughts are. I know everything that you've ever thought. There's been millions and millions of people before you, and you're not super complicated. (laughs) If you do what I would say, your life would work out, but it's not working out, obviously, because I know your thoughts. You need to know my thoughts. And don't mix it. Don't mix it up. This is like, that's, that's the, how uh, sin originated, maybe you don't know this, but sin originated in the world when, when Satan asked Eve in the garden, okay, what did God say again? Careful. What did God say? And, and Eve says, uh, part of what God said, because God said, don't eat of the fruit of the tree or you will surely die. She says that, but then she adds to this thing, nor shall you touch it. Well, God had never said, don't touch it. So she had now just added her words to God's word and now they were the same in her head don't eat it and don't touch it. Well, if you want to make a boundary of not touching it because you shouldn't eat it, do that. But put it in brackets. That's not what God said. Don't put words in God's mouth. Or in your boss's mouth or you'll be looking for a new boss. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. Okay, it started good. You probably couldn't get them out of bed on any other day, but today's a different day because after this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan revelry. Uh, That means they had a... There's, they had a lot of fun. Um, now we got 11-year-olds in here. They did things at parties that people do at parties. And they did it all. That's what this is telling you. That You talk to your parents. <laughs> the Lord told Moses, Quick, go down the mountain. Your people whom you have brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I have commanded them to live. Then he tells them, they have melted down gold and made a calf and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They're saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. He's saying and what he says of them could be said of us. I think Canadians, we're stubborn. We're just nice, but we're stubborn. What he's saying here, like this could be translated, they're just constantly pulling on the leash. They're, they're pulling the owner around on the walk. Uh, that's not, you know The owner's supposed to be the alpha <laughs> You're supposed to go where the owner wants Not where the dog wants to go yeah. I, I um, as I was walking uh, earlier today And praying and kind of working on this sermon I I, I walked past several times um, a, a lady had one of those One of those dogs with uh, liquid eyes and the short legs <laughs> Like a like a basset hound or something uh, I don't know, it was about that long Dog, <laughs> you can tell I'm a super dog lover, right? Like, you know, it was a dog anyways and so this dog what, what I saw was as I was walking towards her the dog just turns sideways about 30 yards away and stops and I get up there and she goes yeah he won't let me go anywhere and he's super or she's super stubborn she won't let me go anywhere until you pet her <laughs> trouble is I passed her like three times and she got to stop Well, this dog just like Whoa! low center of gravity it's like a kid doing Spider-Man in the doorway when you're trying to get them like go on, let's get to school <laughs> that's what God is saying about Israel and that's what could be said of you I think that could be said of me sometimes. We're just like, ah, no God, don't make me go out there. I don't want to go to work. Then Moses turned and went down the mountain. He held in his hands the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. These tablets were God's work. The words on them were written by God himself. When Joshua heard the boisterous sound, noise of the people, he had gone up with Moses uh, shouting below. He exclaimed to Moses, it sounds like war in the camp, but Moses is like, No. They're having a party. When they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing and he burned with anger. Catch that. A humble leader can burn with anger. Now we know that Moses had an anger problem and murdered a guy. This is decades and decades before. He had murdered a guy... We know that he didn't get into the promised land Because he naturally was quite angry But this kind of anger here It's a different kind of an anger Remember when Jesus They are buying and selling things in the temple And he freaked out And he made a whip And chased everybody out of there And like did the incredible hulk On their tables and stuff And scattered stuff There's a, a type of anger leader there, there's, there's a type of anger That you have to have about what's going on Or it will never change He threw the stone tablets to the ground, smashed them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf they had made and burned it. Then he ground it into powder, threw it into the water, and forced the people to drink it. You can't force your spider monkey kid out of the doorway. But what kind of a person would Moses have to be? And yet, the Holy Spirit said that he was the most humble man on the face of the earth what would you have to do to make millions of people drink that? They all got caught cussing and now it's time to wash their mouth out with soap. You're afraid to do that to your teenager. Don't call social services on me. I haven't had to do it. Again, my dad was Old Testament, man. Millennials, you don't even know. The soap. What do you mean soap? Yeah, get your toothbrush and get the bar of soap. You enjoy cussing? Okay. Okay. I'll help you. <laughs> Scrub away. Delicious. Finally, he turned to Aaron and demanded, What did, listen, listen to what he says to a proud influencer of people. Aaron was one of the top guys in this nation. He turns to Aaron and demanded, Have you ever thought about this, about your particular position of influence? He says, What did these people do to you to make you bring such terrible sin upon them? What did they, why do you hate them so much? Yeah, awesome. yeah. That you let them do this thing. Parents, your teenagers going off the rails. Why do you hate them so much that you will not stand up to them for their own good? You care more what they think about you than what God thinks about them. You care more what they think about you than what they think about God. Come on. What did they do to you that you did this to them? You had a job to do. But Aaron's reply is very interesting. Don't get so upset, my lord. You yourself know how evil these people are. Now, if I was the, the, the brother of a guy who just made millions of people drink, you know, wash their mouth out with soap, Hey, just chillax, Moses. Gee, we we're having a good time until so you came down from the mountain. Relax? We relax about some things. We don't relax about this. You want me to relax? We're not relaxed about this. We're upset about this. We got upset about this, and we stayed upset about this until this thing got dealt with. We got worked up. We freaked out. They said to me, Aaron says, make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what's happening to this fellow Moses. He's very accurate about what they said of Moses, who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. When they brought it to me, I simply threw it in the fire and out came this calf. Can I have a teaching moment with you? All right. everything you say has to be true but when you're going up the ladder it's the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help me God boss here's it here it all is you sort it out everything you say has to be true when my girl asked me when she's five where do babies come from God it's kind of true now you can talk to your mom it's all got to be true but that answer is going to change the older she gets and she's still going to talk to mom and I don't want to know I do know, but I don't want to know how to talk to my daughters. about. It's difficult. But when we go up the ladder, it's the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. When you question your teenager, where were you last night? It's the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. If I want to live to see tomorrow, so help me God. I'm going to tell it all to you. Don't you settle for something in the middle, like Aaron did. (laughs) Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amusement of their enemies. Now they're a fresh band of slaves, and the enemies— their enemies—are just waiting to crush them. And now they know that they can. Look at these idiots! Look what they've—, they've look at what they're doing. We could take them any time we want. Verse thirty. The next day Moses said to the people, You've committed a terrible sin, but I will go back up to the Lord on the mountain. Perhaps I will be able to obtain forgiveness for your sin. Watch the difference in the life of Moses. This is what God wants you to do with your influence. So Moses returned to the Lord, listened, and said, Oh, what a terrible sin these people have committed. We're not whitewashing any of this, but, but he owns it. They have made gods of gold for themselves. But now, if you will only forgive their sin... But if not, erase my name from the record you have written. There's a leader I'll follow. You know, God, I know that they sinned. I know that they sinned, God. But God is like, there's judgment for sin. He's like, no, 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 wipe me out, but save my people. Hurt me, but... Save my people. Now, there was still judgment that came and there was thousands of people and then a plague was released and thousands of people died because if you're a leader, you influence people and when you get it wrong, people get hurt. But he said God was going to wipe the whole nation out. I mean, you cannot do this to the God who just saved you. And listen, Moses said, no, God, I love a leader who will get in and mediate for his people. No, God, I love a leader I love a mom who gets in there and mediates for her children. No, 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 God. Just forgive them one more time. Just one more time, God. Wipe wipe me out, God. Bring the consequence on me, but save them one more time, God. Save them one more time. They just need one more chance. I, I think they'll do it the next time, God. Just forgive them this once, God. But in all of this, what we see in Moses is that he didn't have, as a humble influencer, he didn't have... One single thought about his own well-being in this whole thing. Next week, maybe I'll talk to you about how to defend yourself when challenged, when you're an influencer. How to defend yourself. What do you do? He didn't have a single thought about himself, but I think that as I'm talking here, I'm thinking more that I'm kind of a lot more like Aaron. <laughs> Can I hear an amen? Anybody out there who's more like Aaron? That's our struggle. You just want everybody to be happy, God. And God's like, but it's not saving anything. It's not saving anybody. Here's what I want you to know about the grace and mercy of God. Because look, you're going to have to work hard. I get that. But there's something that, that you need to know about your God. And, and that is this, that even while Aaron was doing this in the 40 days up on the mountain, did you know what God was speaking to Moses about? was telling him about Aaron being appointed as the priest and what Aaron and his sons would do. And he knew that Aaron was going to blow it. So even before Aaron blew it and even before you blew it, God already planned to redeem you and to still call you and still bring you into your destiny because that's who God is. That's not who you are, but that's who God is. And we come together not to get better as people and self-help. No, we come together to beseech God to make us more like that in our leadership. And Moses forgives Aaron, and there's a penalty to pay for the, for the people, but, but God had already planned on restoring you. While you were in your sin, while you were dead in your trespasses, Jesus came to save you. While you were messing up your parenting, Jesus has already made a way for you to be redeemed, for you to come back into relationship. Now, do you want that or not? I want that. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I ask for every person here that we would simply open our hearts to the God who can restore even mistakes that we're going to make tomorrow. It's <laughs> not a mystery to you what we're going to do and the temptation we fall into, but God, I ask for your mercy for all of us people here, for all the city of Airdrie. I ask for mercy that you have already pre-planned and destined us for. And though we feel like we have already cost ourselves the call of God on our lives, and we feel like we have already cost ourselves destiny, there's still something in the grace of God that could accomplish something with us. And Aaron went on to repent and to work hard and to be called and anointed and to be the leader of his tribe and to be the father that he needed to be and to raise his sons the sight of God and he went on to become very influential in Israel the second most influential man until Joshua comes along because of your redemptive story and father I pray that you would redeem every person's life right now that every person would give you permission to come in father so you can reveal those places in our hearts and if you need to talk to somebody in the care room talk to somebody afterwards get somebody to pray for you But Father, I pray that you would restore every life today in the name of Jesus Christ. I am so grateful, God, that your love is so much fiercer than our love. God, you get fired up when you see your children hurting, when you see the people of our city hurting. They are adopted, but they don't know it. Father, you get fired up because your love is so fierce towards us. God, I pray that the people of God would rise up to be fierce, fierce influencers and fierce leaders. In Jesus' name, amen.